Well, today is part four of our series on the book of James. Hopefully you've been uh, reading along a little bit. This week we're going to be covering James chapter 3 and James chapter 4. Lots to cover today. So if you have a Bible, you want to go and turn to James chapter 3, you can do that. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online with us right now in the upper right-hand corner of your screen. There's a little button that's popping up there called Talk Notes. If you just push that, that's going to take you all the scripture I'm going to look at today as well as all the points I'll be making those of you live in the room, same thing for you. If you go to our website, exponential.church, you're able to access all the scriptures there as well as any points I'll be making as well. Lots to cover here today. We're not going to actually be able to cover everything that James has to say about his favorite topic that he writes about. In fact, one-third of the entire book of James is about just the words that we speak. What are the words that come out of your mouth? So again, that's where we're going to hang out today. As you're continuing to turn to James 3, Let me uh, give you this great quote from Nathaniel Hawthorne, who wrote this. He said, words, so innocent and powerless as they are, as standing in a dictionary, how potent and evil they become in the hands of someone who knows how to combine them. Now, if you don't know what he's talking about there, think back to elementary school. Think back to middle school. Remember how words of your classmates would come out? Words that would hurt you, words that put you down, words that made you feel small. I mean, back in those days, we had the saying that sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Well, that's just not true, is it? Because words can hurt. Words have immense, immense power to them. And unfortunately, that didn't stop in middle school, did it? You still see it today, social media, people using words to hurt and attack people. Words have such immense power. Words can destroy somebody's worth or dignity, their confidence, their reputation. The opposite is true, though, as well, isn't it? You get an email, a text, a phone call. Maybe it's something that you hear on the radio. Maybe it's a sermon that you hear that inspires you or encourages you or, or gives you hope of some sort. Again, there's immense power in words. If you don't believe me that there's power in words, just think back to the very beginning. God creates everything just with a word. God says, let there be light, and there was light. God says, let there be this, and let there be that. Everything that he spoke comes into existence. Now, another way to say this is not only do words have power, but words have impact. The impact of words on people is huge. All of us have had that at some point in our lives that either was an ill-timed word or a perfectly timed word that had a major, major impact on our life. And I want you to think about that then from your perspective. The very next words that come out of your mouth could impact the trajectory of somebody's life for the rest of their life. That's just how powerful words truly are. No wonder James writes so much about it here in his book. And again, I don't have time today to cover everything that he's going to have to say about the words that come out of our mouths. So you're just going to have to read James chapter 3 and James chapter 4 for yourself. You're going to have to do a little study for yourself. But I do want to Today, look at two more words that he sort of combines together, because that's what we've been doing throughout this series, is we've been looking at these two words that he always sort of puts together. And today's two words are this, speaking and boasting. So let's pick up in James chapter 3, verse 1. 
Here's what James writes. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, I didn't have to start there, but I wanted to start there just as a reminder for myself that the words that I share, the words that come out of my mouth, it has an impact. I've got to be careful what I say because some of you treat what I say more so than what you treat the gospel. So pray for me, right? James says, not everybody should want to become a teacher. I know know a lot of people, you're like, man, I wish I'd get up on stage and start like preaching and stuff. I'll take Gilbert's job. Well, hey, have at it, man. (laughs) But just realize you're going to get judged more strictly. And so pray that the, the words that I speak would inspire you, that life isn't about you. It's all about Jesus. Pray that the words that come out of my mouth would convict you of your sin. Pray that the words that come out of my mouth would convince you that like, life isn't about just you know, getting the better house and a better car and all that kind of stuff. No, you are called to be a full-time minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that all of us are called to be not just disciples, but disciple makers. See, I'm going to be judged on how well did I communicate that to you. And that's why you hear me say certain things over and over and over again. Because I realize those are the things, the most important things that we find in God's word. That's what I'm going to be judged on as well. Not just my own life, but how did I inspire you? How did I help you take those next steps in your journey with and towards God? James switches then, and he says, let's talk to all the people. He says in verse 2, all of us do many wrong things, but if you can control your tongue, you are mature and able to control your whole body. We talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago, and I told you that this message would be coming, but we got to learn how to control our tongues. We can't speak words of anger. We can't be cussing any longer. We can't be using words that are putting people down, criticizing, condescending. We can't be sarcastic. James says, if you learn to control your tongue, if you get that under control, you are now mature. Or we talked about it the other week that now you have fruit in your life, that there's fruit that you actually are a follower of Jesus. And James says, look, if you can learn how to control your tongue, then you're going to be able to control all the other parts of your body then as well that want to sin against him. Now, that's weird, isn't it, to think about that, that, man, if I can get just that little tongue under control, everything else is going to fall into line. In fact, James then goes on and he gives some illustrations of how something small can control something that's much larger. Look at verses 3 and 4. He says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. So think about that. A small little bit in a horse's mouth. And uh, many of you know, I, I grew up on a horse farm. Thoroughbreds, they're massive horses. But yet just that little small bit, the jockey's able to move that massive horse wherever he or she wants to take that horse. And James says that that small little rudder on a ship, man, it it can turn that ship wherever it needs to go. So even though it's small, it can control something large. That's what James is talking about. Man, your tongue is a small part of your body, 
But if you can get that under control, it's going to control the rest of you as well. You'll, you'll have it under, under control in that way. But here, here's the deal about this. You know, when it comes to becoming mature and, 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 and really having faith and, and having fruit in your life, the majority of that work is the transformation of the Holy Spirit. That when you pray and you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you ask him to take control of your life, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead comes and now lives inside of you and transforms you. And so, like, most of that is the work of the Holy Spirit. However, you still have your part. You see, even though the bit is in the horse's mouth, even though the rudder is on the ship, you still need somebody, the, the rider of the horse or the, the captain of the ship, to control it, to, to steer it, to do it. And so there's your role. You still have something to do because God did not create us as robots. And so you got to get your tongue under control. Use words that are going to build up, not to tear down. Use words that point more to Jesus than words that point to you. James talks about this in the first part of verse 5. He says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it likes to do what? It likes to do what? It likes to make great boasts. You see, the temptation in life is to make life all about us instead of about Jesus. The temptation is to, to try to build up our own little kingdom instead of trying to build up the kingdom of God. We like to boast about what we've done. James says, no, it's vital that you get your tongue under control or you're going to be in big, big trouble. In fact, that's what he talks about next. Look at the end of verse 5 and then into verse 6. He says, it only takes what? It only takes a, a spark to start a forest fire. The tongue is like that spark. It's an evil power that dirties the rest of the body and sets a person's entire life on fire with flames that come from hell itself. You know, this week here in, in Pennsylvania, many of you that are tuning in from across the Northeast especially, we've been impacted by a forest fire. It's like thousands of miles. It's up in Canada. It's like way, way away from us, right? A small little spark set that forest fire. Actually, they got many fires that are going on up there. But it's just one little spark that gets a fire started. But yet, look at how much it's impacting, not just there, but all the way down here as well. And that's what James is saying is, look, man, your tongue, it's like that spark of the fire. It seems like that word that you spoke is something very, very small, something really, really insignificant. But the impact that it has, the power that it has is immense. So be careful about the words that come out of your mouth. And I don't know about you, and, you know, I, I turned 50 on Tuesday, right? Well, I wouldn't go that far. But, <laughs> but you know, you, you get a little bit older, and you start to think about things like death, right? And not that I'm afraid of it, but it, it's like I have certain ways that I'd like to die and certain ways I definitely don't want to die. So, like, drowning. I don't want to drown. And I've been thinking about I don't want to be burned alive. That would be horrible. But James says, when we speak words that are out of control, when we're not controlling our tongue, you know what that's like? He says it's like you're setting your whole body, your whole life 
on fire. For many of you, when you think about your life and you're like, man, it's out of control and, and, and man, it just doesn't seem like anything is working right for me right now. Could it be because of the words that have been coming out of your mouth? Have you set that little spark that now has gotten you into a very bad place? James says, when that happens, those flames, they're coming from hell itself. He continues on then in verses 7 to 10. He says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is, a restless and, it is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Now, a couple things that I want to point out here. Some of you are going, wait a second, Gilbert. So far, James has said, and you've been saying to us, that we need to control our tongue. But now he's writing, you can't tame it. So what is it? Are we supposed to or are we not? Well, here's the deal. The answer is both. You see, there's a difference between control and taming something. Think about animals for a second. It's possible it can control an animal but not necessarily have it tamed. Think of like tigers. You can have a tiger under your control, but you can't fully tame it. Now, there are some people that have tried, and you can get them somewhat domesticated and tamed. But think of Seyfried and Roy, the magicians, tigers, all throughout their show. Or think of Joe Exotic, right? The Tiger King. Remember him? COVID? He was the big hit, right? The Tiger King. He has all these tigers. He's got control over them, and he thought he had them tamed. But both Siegfried and Roy and Joe Exotic found out that you cannot tame a wild beast like that because eventually they will attack you. James is saying the same thing with your tongue. You got to try to get it under control the best you can, but you're never fully going to tame it. Because all of us in our weakest moments will still have things come out of our mouth that we're going to later regret. But you got to do your best, keep it under control. And just realize it'll never, ever be fully tamed. Also, I want you to note here that he said that out of the same mouth that today here at Exponential Church, was singing praises to God. Also, out of that same mouth comes cursing. Out of that same mouth comes hateful things that you say to your fellow human beings. James says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. We are called to be different. We've got to be different. And so, no, you're never going to be able to fully tame your tongue, but you can learn how to control it. Now, as I said earlier, James says so much about this. So you're going to need to read the rest of chapter 3 for yourself and then into chapter 4. But I do want to switch over to chapter 4 because he's actually going to talk about how to control the tongue. Now, the first verse that I'm going to read to you here, you're going to go, what in the world does that have to do with controlling the tongue? But here's what you need to keep in, in mind. Remember, James here is writing a letter. 
we call them books of the Bible, but remember, these are letters that are being written to other people. Who remembers? Who is James writing to here? First of all, what was James, what was his position? What was he? He was a, he was a pastor, right? He was a pastor. And some of you I heard say he was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Now remember, that's a different James. That was the inner circle James. Peter, James, and John, different James than this James. Who is this James? This James was the half-brother of Jesus. And why wasn't he a follower of Jesus before Jesus' resurrection? What's my joke? Your brother would have to rise again from the dead for you to be convinced that he's God. So James doesn't actually become a follower of Jesus until after the resurrection. But his role is he is the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And he's writing this letter because there was so much persecution, and many of them had fleed. And so he's writing this letter to encourage them in their faith to remain strong, and he's giving them some practical instruction here of how to live out their faith. But here's the problem. When, when we open up our, our Bibles today, it's not really a problem, but here, here's what you need to understand. It wasn't until about the 1300s that there were even chapters. Somebody's like, you know what, I'm going to break this up and put chapters in. It wasn't until about the 1500s then that verses were put in. And again, the reason I say it's not a problem, it's so much easier for me to say to you, turn to John 3.16, than to say, well, you know, find John, and then flip forward a couple pages, and eventually we're going to find these words that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only, right? So it's easier that they put in chapter and verse. But what that hurts us with is we don't always see things in its full context. So that's why I always encourage you, when it's a short letter like James or Philippians or Colossians or something like that, read the entirety of it. Don't just read one chapter at a time because sometimes you need to see the full context, and that's what's going to happen here. In James chapter 4, he's going to write something about words that relates back to James chapter 3, but we wouldn't think that they relate together because, oh, it's a completely different chapter that he's in right now. Does that make sense? All right, so here's what he actually says. James chapter 4, verse 10, he says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Now, again, you read that and you go, what in the world does that have to do with anything that uh, you know, I, I speak out of my mouth? Well, it is going to connect back, and then you're going to see in the, the, in the upcoming verses that it's going to connect as well. But here's the thing. He says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he, meaning God, will exalt you. What does exalt mean? It means to raise up. It means to, to lift up, to be higher than. And isn't it true that many times when our tongues are out of control, it's because we want something that we feel that we've earned, we deserve, that I'm up here and I deserve this. Your kids are misbehaving, and there is something you want. You feel you should get your way, or you want your spouse to do something, and they're not doing it. And you feel that you're not getting something that you want, and so oftentimes the next words that come out of your mouth are going to be words that tear down instead of building up. And what are you doing in that instance? You're exalting yourself. You're exalting yourself. Again, anytime we feel that we should have something, but yet we don't have it, the temptation is our words are going to hurt instead of help. And so oftentimes we, we want to be seen up here. We want to be seen as smart or funny or wise. 
Or we want to be up here, we want to have money or power or control. We want to have health. Or here's something you want. You want that spot in the traffic, but somebody just cut you off. And the next words that come out of your mouth, you idiot, or even worse, right? There's so often these things that we want. I'll give you one. Many of you want your particular political candidate to win elections. Sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. And when you don't get your way, and you feel that, oh, well, my candidate should have won, all of a sudden, you start talking bad to other people on social media. And that is not helping. It's hurting. We often use words to try to make ourselves look good or to put other people down, which by default makes them then lower than us. But James says, no, 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 no. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Let God lift you up. And then he continues on talking about the words, the very next verses here, 11 and 12. He says, my friends, don't say cruel things about others. If you do or if you condemn others, you're condemning God's law. And if you condemn the law, you put yourself above the law and refuse to obey either it or the God who gave it. God is our judge, and he can save or destroy us. Right? What right do you have to condemn anyone? Now, last week we talked about this, about, you know, are we called the judge or not judge, or what, what's the deal? And James is talking about this a little bit, and we talked about the words of Jesus from uh, last week. You are not called to judge unbelievers, and you're not called to judge people that you're not close with. But, as we said last week, you are called to be a fruit inspector. Remember that? That those that we're close with, if they're calling themselves followers of Jesus, and we should have people in our lives that we've given permission, that, look... Hey, if you see something in my life that doesn't look like Jesus, I want you to call it out. And so in, in that way, we should have those types of relationships. But for the most part, Jesus and James here, they're saying, don't judge other people. Don't be condemning other people. Because the, the tendency we have when we, we do that is we use words that shame. We use words that condemn people. That's not to be. And so we've got to weigh the words that come out of our mouths very, very carefully. And even those that we're close with, remember what Jesus said about this. He said, with the measure you use, it's going to be measured to you. Does that make sense? So how you judge others, that's the same judgment that's going to come back to you then. Now, James, he, he switches gears a little bit here in chapter 4. He's still talking about the, the words that we speak. But now he's going to start to talk about boasting, which is Many of you are going, well, that's the opposite of the humility that he was just talking about. But this is a boasting that's in a completely different form than we typically think of when it comes to boasting. So look at verses 13 to 15. James writes this. He says, you should know better than to say today or tomorrow we will go off to the city. We will do business there for a year and make a lot of money. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. You should say, if the Lord lets us live. We'll do these things. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, 
and all such boasting is evil. And so James is reminding us that, look, your life is short, and none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. He says, your, your, uh, your life is like the morning fog, or, you know, for lighting effects and stuff uh, for you to see things. We had the hazer gone today, right? Well, notice it's gone. It was here for a little bit, and now it's gone. That's how your life is. It's here, and then it's gone. Lisa's grandmother recently turned 103. But what we need to understand is even 103 years old here on the earth, that's very, very short. When you compare it to all of eternity, because all of us are going to live somewhere for all of eternity, 103 years is nothing. That's like a drop of water into the ocean. And so James reminded, look, none of us are guaranteed even tomorrow. But yet, I hear it all the time, and I'm probably even guilty of doing it myself. You'll hear things like, well, this summer we're going to the beach. This fall we're remodeling the kitchen. Oh, in a couple years we're retiring to Florida. James says, man, that's pretty pretentious of you. (laughs) Boasting about the future? You don't know the future. Only God knows the future. He says, it'd be better for you to say, if it's the Lord's will, we're going to the beach this summer. If it's the Lord's will, we're going to remodel the kitchen this fall. If it's the Lord's will, I'm going to retire to Florida in a couple years. If it's the Lord's will. Because anytime you're saying that we're doing this and I'm doing that and et cetera, et cetera, that's you saying that you're in control of tomorrow. You're not in control. You're not even in control of your next breath. And so he says, you you should be saying, if it's the Lord's will. Now, let me be perfectly honest here. I've been thinking about this. How how much do we do this without it being ridiculous? Because literally, literally you could say, if it's the Lord's will, almost on every single sentence that you give, right? You know, at home, I have a home office here. Lisa's home office is here, so she has to come down the, the hallway to get down into, like, the kitchen and area and everything. So I could see her, like, walking by my office door going, where are you going? Well, if it's the Lord's will, I'm going to the kitchen. <laughs> Make your lunch, you lazy bum. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I get up, and she's like, where are you going? Well, if it's the Lord's will, I'm going to have a bowel movement. You know, I mean, you know, what's... Where's the line? Where is the line that we draw? (laughs) And so I I think it's it's really a thing of you need to say it enough until you really get it. Until your mindset has shifted to realize that you're not in control of even your next breath. You're not in control of the next hour, the next day. So say it until it becomes a part of who you are. It becomes just in your heart that that's how you sort of live your life, of that Jesus is in control of everything. And then the other thing I was thinking is the longer into the future something is, the more likely it is you should say it. So again, walking down the hallway, you probably don't have to say, well, if it's the Lord's will, I'm going to make it to the kitchen, even though you may not. You may not make it to the kitchen. 
But do you need to say it in that instance? Probably not. But if it's a couple days, next week, year, couple years, then, you know, it's, if it's the Lord's will. So I practiced this yesterday. How many of you noticed that yesterday in my private, uh, in the Facebook group that we have, at the end I said, I'll see you in the morning if it's the Lord's will. <laughs> because, again, I'm turning 50 on Tuesday, and I don't know. <laughs> No, I'm hoping I'm only halfway there. We'll see, though. If it's the Lord's will, I'm only halfway there. <laughs> uh, again, what, what James is trying to remind us is that when we presume that our plans are always going to work out exactly the way we think that they're going to work out, that's being pretty presumptuous, and it's boasting instead of trusting. It's putting more faith in ourselves than it is in Jesus as we begin to wrap up today, let me remind you that the very best words that will ever come out of your mouth aren't your words, but God's word. You can never go wrong by quoting God's word, sharing God's word. And so I thought, well, that's how we'll sort of wrap up today. Instead of me yapping my big mouth, let's look at what God's word says. Because it isn't just James that writes about the importance of the words that come out of our mouth. Over and over and over, both Old Testament and New Testament, we read people saying, be careful, be careful, because there's power in the words that come out. And so I'm not even going to look at a, a lot of examples. I'm just going to look at Proverbs chapter 18 and things that Solomon writes about this very thing. And as I go through these, I'm going to give you just a second or two, and I want you to reflect on each and every one of these scriptures of how well are you doing with these. Because again, the, the, the power isn't in the words that I share. Again, I hope that my words convict and convince you, but it's really the Word of God. So allow the Word of God right now to convict and convince you of how you're doing with the words that you speak. So let's look at a couple verses here. Proverbs 18.2, Solomon writes this, Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Verse 6. Fools' words get them into constant quarrels, and they're just asking for a beating. Verse 7, a fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Verse 20, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. Verse 21, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Both Solomon here and James are saying, look, there is power 
power of life and death in the words that you speak. And remember, James as a pastor, he's writing these words to the people that he loves, his, his congregation. And I think if we could summarize what he's talking about in, in chapters 3 and 4 about the words that we speak, I think what he's really trying to say to his church is this, church, we can do better. I want to say the same thing to you, exponential, I think we could do better with the words that we speak. We can do better with the words that we speak to our family members and friends. We could be much better with the words that we use in social media. We could be much better with the, the words that we have amongst our, our life groups. We could have much better words with people at work. We're not at the break room gossiping about people. We're going to be in the, in the break room gossiping about how good people are. If you're going to gossip, let it be about, oh, man, you know what? I saw them do something really good. Words that lift up, not tear down. Comes to people of the opposite political party, better words better words. When it comes to the lost, people that are out there maybe doing things or saying things that we don't agree with, better words. Spiritual words, words that are going to encourage them, words that will give them hope, words that will hopefully inspire them that, wow, this Jesus is real. And he offers something that I need for my life. But what do people in our society want to do? They want to just point the fingers and condemn people and put people down. James says, church, we can do better. We can do better, better words. So here's my challenge for you this week. If words have the power of life and death in them, then just this week, try to be very, very intentional about every single word that comes out of your mouth. Remember what James said at the beginning of the series, be quick to listen, slow to speak. So just be very intentional about every single word that comes out. Pause before you respond. Is this really the words that I would want to have come out of my mouth right now? Allow the Holy Spirit to convict you to go, ah, no, don't, don't say it. I know what you want to say. Don't say it. Be very, very careful. Think through every word. Is it going to lift up or is it going to tear down? Let's go out and let's shock the world with how our, our, our language has changed. I'd even take not even shocking the world. Let's just shock our family members and our friends, <laughs> our neighbors, our coworkers. That, that, wow, something's changed about you. You used to gossip. You used to put people down. You used to be such a, uh, a Debbie Downer, you know, and, and just, but now, like, the, the words that you share, they're powerful. They're uplifting. What changed about you? 
Jesus. It's all Jesus. Not perfect, but he's changing even the way that I talk. You see how that would be much more attractive to somebody than just always pointing the finger and putting them down and condemning and shaming? So be the change that you want to see. Use words that lift up, not tear down. Use words that bring life, that don't bring death. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these uh, past four weeks. We've been looking at the, the power of words, but even more in depth here today. And we thank you just for the the practical wisdom that, that James gives us and even the practical illustrations like a, a bit in a horse's mouth or a, a rudder steering a ship that uh, we can just see that and, and it, it makes so much sense, but now help us to live it out. So we talked about a, a couple weeks ago, James says, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer as well. And so Lord, help us to do these things that I've talked about today. Help us to get our tongues under control. And yes, we'll never ever be able to fully tame the tongue, but help us to have control. To make better word choices. To have a better attitude. Lord, each and every one of us here today, we, we know the areas that we struggle uh, when, it, when it comes to our words. And so I pray that as your spirit has been convicting, that at the same time, there's a sense of your grace that is washing over us, that, Jesus, you forgive us of all things, even those hurtful words, those things that we've regretted saying to people, Lord, you forgive those things. But we don't want to be like that anymore. We want to we be changed. We want to be transformed. And so help us to get our words under control through the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to be more intentional. Help us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Father, you gave us such a practical example, even though we, we weren't happy about the, the smoke coming from Canada. It is such a powerful illustration to us that like that small spark, that set that forest fire that now is impacting us all the way down in Pennsylvania. That's how our words are. Every single word is having an impact that is spreading far and wide. So help us to be good stewards of our words, to think through everything that we say. Jesus, thank you that you're going to change us you're going to change us in such a way that it's going to change other people. It's going to transform other people because they see the change that happened inside of us. Lord, help us to walk this out each and every day. And Lord, help us to be reminded as well that we're not in control of our lives. But if it is your will, we'll have our next breath. If it is your will, we'll have another day, another week, another year another decade, another 50 years, whatever it is. And so help us always to put our faith and our trust in you, not in ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.